Welcome my wonderful bucket list traveler friends. My name is Anna Hilario. I'm on a crazy journey to achieving my biggest life goal of living in seven countries with my husband and four-year-old daughter. Crazy, perhaps, but as they say, you only live once, but you only die once and you get the chance to live every single day. So why not fill your life with many adventures? So one day you can look back and say, I can't believe I did that. I'm here to share with you my story, the ups and downs of my journey so far, and the tips and tricks I've learned along the way, as well as interviews with my inspirational friends, in the hope that some aspect may resonate with you and inspire you to finally achieve your bucket list dreams. So my question is, what's stopping you from living the life you truly want and chasing your bucket list dreams? Welcome my wonderful bucket list traveler friends. I can't believe the day is finally here. I'm beyond excited to be doing this podcast for you. But who am I kidding? I am a little bit scared too. So thank you so much for listening in to my first episode. It really does mean a lot to me. For me, the meaning of life is all about the experiences you accumulate and all those incredible people that you've met along the way. Come on, there is so much more to life than just living in the same city, with the same group of friends, with the same old routine. So I decided to come up with a bit of a crazy and perhaps ambitious life goal of living in seven countries. I mean, what crazy person does that? I guess I am one of those crazy people. Uh, It's a bit surreal to think that we've been in Christchurch for nearly a year So this is not my first radio and it's definitely not my last as this is only my fourth country and sixth city that I've lived in. So a few more to go, hopefully. Living abroad can appear really glamorous and romantic, just like all those movies. And it's really easy to get caught up in everyone's highlight reels. I mean, come on, they do look amazing. But you don't get to see all that ugly behind the scenes mess and all those challenges that go into relocating to another country. No joking, it's not easy, but it's really worth it. I appreciate this lifestyle isn't for everyone, but if you've ever had that little thought or desire to live abroad, but come up with a million and one excuses why you can't or you shouldn't, I wanna show you that it can be done. And you don't need to have anything special. Seriously, if I can do it, you can too. Trust me on that. I mean, I moved countries with my husband, daughter and Labrador during a pandemic. Was it easy? Gosh, no. But it, was it worth it? Absolutely. I mean, it's still got its challenges, but gosh, it is amazing. So my podcast is called Bucket List Traveller. And I will um, cover topics on all things about relocating, as well as chasing your bucket list dreams, whatever they may look like. And I'll have some chats with some inspirational friends that are doing some bloody incredible bucket list things. Such a variety and really inspirational. In this first episode, I'm going to share with you my story, getting to this very point and my reasoning for moving countries and our goal of living in seven countries. I'm not going to pretend it's been all unicorn and rainbows 
And I will be very honest about all those challenges that we've gone through, um, as well as talk about all those exciting pinch me moments, as that's why we're on this crazy journey, really. But before I dive into all of this, I think it probably makes sense to start from the beginning to help explain my journey uh, and show you it hasn't been an easy and straight line. But I guess, is life ever that easy? I hope it really gives you a flavour about who I who am I and what's really led me to where I am today. So I come from very humble beginnings and it's definitely shaped the person I am today. So I was born in Portugal. That's in Europe, for those of you who don't know. Yes, Ronaldo. I was born in a, a small country town called Povo de São Miguel. Uh, and by small... I mean, very small. It has about 500 people. It's in the Alentejo region, so that's southeast of Portugal and very close to the Spanish border. Uh, I think it's about 15 minutes from my town to the Spanish border. And our region has really great wine, but I don't drink wine, but we'll just keep that between me and you. It has incredible olives. That's one of my favourite snacks, foods, life. Uh, And incredible delicious wholesome food it is oh gosh I miss being in Portugal anyway uh, I get sidetracked a bit my parents uh, they were immigrants at a relatively young age my dad was 29 and my mum was 27 so back then that's quite young they decided to um, that they wanted to really leave our small country town to provide me with more opportunities in life just like every or most immigrants chasing more opportunities, a better life, different lifestyle really. But instead of moving to Lisbon, uh, where my mum grew up, they decided to probably chase a crazy dream like I am now and move to the other side of the world, to Australia. So they picked Perth because they knew someone from our little town that lived there. And uh, my parents waited, I think it was well over two years for their visa to be approved. Can you imagine the range of emotions they were feeling? Especially not learning, not knowing any English, not knowing anyone there except that one person from our town. And with all those constant questions and all that doubt coming from their family and their friends about, are they really making the right decision? Because no one had really left our town besides going to Lisbon. Um, but everyone was generally around our town in the region. It's um, quite funny now that I think about it that about maybe 20 years later, I'd be doing a similar thing, definitely going through a similar range of emotions. At times, there's been a complete mix of excitement, anxiety. Yes, definitely anxiety feeling overwhelmed and I guess looking back it has taken some courage even though we don't generally feel courageous at the time but I guess when you think about it moving countries setting up your new life in a new place making new friends new job all the life admin yeah it is quite overwhelming so when uh, my parents finally Oh gosh, after all that time, received confirmation that their visa was approved. They hopped on a plane in 1991. So nearly, what's that, 
31 years ago. Am I maths right? Yes, I should. It should be right because I'm an ex-accountant. Um, so yeah, I hopped on a plane in 91 and I was only four years old and they had, I think, max of three suitcases and only a few little toys for me. And as I said before, they didn't speak any English, but their desire to create that new life, a different life for their family was so strong. They really pushed through all that doubt that they were getting from Portugal, from their family and friends, all those questions. A lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, I'm not going to lie. But they made the move. And just like most immigrants, all immigrants, expats, whatever you want to call them, us, uh, life in a new country is really tough. No matter how easy you may think it's going to be, it's still tough. And it really took a long time for us to really feel settled in Australia. And we didn't visit our family in Portugal for the first five years. That was really, really, really tough. But to be honest, I think if we had gone to Portugal for a holiday, my parents probably wouldn't want to go back to Perth because it was a real tough five years. But, you know, over time we made some friends and we made we met quite a few Portuguese immigrants as well in Perth. When my parents started working, uh, they first started working in restaurants. It was obviously easier to connect with them given that language wasn't an obstacle and we all had similar values. We're all there without our families. And, and it was just hard to adjust to a new way of life in Australia. The cultures are quite different. They're, um, all these Portuguese families really became like my adopted families. They were all like my aunties and uncles. All the kids were like my cousins. We would spend every Christmas, all the holidays and birthdays together. And 30 years later, we're all really strong. And one of those, I guess, cousins, she's my best friend and she just had a baby. I wish I could go and visit her. Anyway, moving on. Dad was always really strict with me. And I think it comes down to the fact that he worked away in um, as a welder. He was working up in uh, mines and oil refineries in the Northern Territory and north of WA. So extremely hot and crazy ass hours uh, and rosters so he'd work away for eight weeks probably well, there was quite a few times he worked away for more than eight weeks and he would only come home for one so that was really hard work for him but it also affected our relationship given that he didn't really see me grow up and I was always going to be his little girl and being an only child you know makes things a bit trickier uh, and I think that's why he became quite strict with me. But I'll come to that a bit later. So back in the day, we never really had those, I guess, typical holidays of, you know, going to tropical places or exploring new countries. Life in Australia is and was very expensive. Um, and we would save and only really travel to Portugal to see our family every few years. It was always over the Christmas holidays, so I wouldn't have to miss any school because that's when our summer holidays are. Um, and they worked so hard to put me in a good Catholic school. They didn't want me missing out on any days. Don't get me wrong, I love going to Portugal and now more than ever, but the weather was always really miserable and wet and my cousins were always at school, so I never really had that much fun. Um, so 
when I was growing up, my parents were, as I said, very, very strict with me. So it definitely stems from the fact that we're an immigrant family, an only child and a girl. And definitely because of this, I always had that desire to live overseas from a very young age. Perhaps it was my way to run away from my parents. <laughs> Probably. Um, my parents never, <laughs> they would never let me sleep at anyone's house, not even at my best friend's house, who's like a cousin. And literally our parents are so close and she only lived a few doors down on the same street. I couldn't go out past midnight, let alone have a boyfriend. Gosh, even as a 23-year-old, that's when I left home. I wasn't even able to go to my year nine dance because there were boys there. Did I mention I went to an all-girls Catholic high school? Looking back now, it's funny how much my relationship with my dad has changed for the better the day I left home to move to London. Being immigrants, my parents just wanted a stable life after all the crap and hard work they'd been through. They always wanted me to fit in and not stand out because what would people think? This is definitely a small town mentality and I guess it does also come from a bit of a survival mechanism. Being an immigrant, you don't want to stand out, you want to fit in. I still remember my first holiday to Portugal without my parents back in the early... 2000s. Gosh, that feels like a lifetime ago when you think about it. This trip really gave me a, a taste for proper travel and meeting new people now that I wasn't really in the shadow of my parents. And that's when I met Caesar, my now husband. So it was at one of my dad's cousin's wedding. Play along now. It might get a bit confusing. So he got married in our little town. But as my parents uh, weren't able to go to Portugal for some reason that year, or maybe I just decided to go by myself, I went to the wedding instead. I still remember Caesar asking his auntie to introduce us at the wedding as he was too shy or scared or I don't know. So his auntie is actually a distant cousin on my dad's side and is married to Caesar's uncle. So yes, this is a very small country town and I've checked and we're not related. But Caesar grew up in Lisbon, um, but his parents are from my country town and his auntie and uncle still more live there. But it was 2010 that, looking back, I think that was the biggest year for me in just so many ways. So my best friend Pamela and I were saving and planning for our big, I guess, European trip for such a long time. We had both never really experienced much of Europe, if at all any, besides Portugal, as our families would only travel to Portugal when we'd go there to see our family. But oh my gosh, we were so excited for our holiday. Uh, we would start in Portugal, we would spend some time with our families, and then we would go on a Kentucky trip through Spain, France, and finish off in Italy and Rome. Then we would stay there for a few extra days and then we would fly to Croatia and then sail around Croatia for a week before flying home to Perth. This was truly the trip of a lifetime for us. 
who would have known that I would be on a crazier trip since then? Um, so I had actually been talking with Caesar for many years before this trip and we'd become very close and he's actually my other cousin's best friend. So when I would go to Portugal, we would hang out. So we're definitely very close. But my holiday in Portugal would really be the turning point in our lives and I guess an, a new relationship would blossom. I fell completely in love with him and him with me, I think, <laughs> during this time. And I still remember, oh gosh, that sickening feeling and that crying just when you say goodbye when I was in Portugal going on that Kentucky trip, uh, I was beyond sad. Like I felt sick, physically sick, leaving Caesar and just so anxious because what would our relationship look like when I go back to Australia? Oh gosh, that was so intense. But that's where I guess our story began and it all led to us starting our crazy journey living in different countries. So when I went back to Perth, I was still studying to become a CA, a chartered accountant. So that was definitely a priority for me because I know, well, I knew at the time I needed to really commit to finishing that because it would enable me to work overseas and hopefully open some doors um, with my career. And uh, so once I went back, we immediately started brainstorming and talking about how we could be together as, to be honest, like long distance is a not for everything. I mean, each to their own, but definitely not for us. It is bloody hard work and you definitely need that light at the end of the tunnel, something to work towards. Otherwise, you just go crazy. Uh, so after a few months, we decided that I would move to Portugal. I guess move is a loose term, but went to Portugal with a few suitcases just before Christmas so we could be together. Um, we'd been apart for oh, about six months by that stage. Uh, and I was going to live with my grandparents and they were and they lived close to our mother, to the other side of the bridge from Lisbon. And I decided to ask for a sabbatical from my job in Perth rather than quit because I wanted to keep my options open because I wasn't really sure how my time in Portugal and with Caesar and with work would play out. So unfortunately, after four months of really searching for a job, applying for different um, positions, different roles, different companies. I didn't find anything. The job market over there is really tough, um, especially in restructuring. That's where, um, that's the type of work I used to do. And I didn't really have enough experience at that point. I only had maybe two or three years of experience. And to be honest, probably lacked a bit of confidence to really try and even have a career change at that point. So I ended up moving back to Perth and wanted to finish my last CA module then. So I'm glad I didn't resign from my restructuring job in Perth. So I had something to come back to when I returned, which was really, really good. So word of advice, never burn bridges on your way out ever because you just don't know how life will play out when you're going to cross paths or when you might need them again. But I absolutely hated being back in Perth. Gosh, 
pushing through all those difficulties of a long-distance relationship once again. I hated it. We knew we wanted to be together. That was a given. Um, And that long-distance relationship was definitely not for us. So we needed something. We needed to work out a way, the how, the where, that we could actually be together. We discussed so many options from Brazil to moving for him to move to Australia but I didn't want and clearly Portugal was not an option anymore given that I already tried that but um, for Caesar to get a visa to go to Australia it would mean we'd had to get married just for the visa and I didn't want to do that he didn't speak any English um, so it would be near impossible for him to get sponsorship through a job so really the only kind of option that we felt like we had at the time was moving to London. So we both have Portuguese passports and this is obviously pre-Brexit, so we didn't need a visa. So the mo- the moment that we decided that London was where we could be together and that's where we're moving to, and we kind of came up with a rough date because we needed something to work towards, otherwise it's just that constant groundhog day of a long distance relationship and hating life really but it wasn't an easy discussion discussion to have with my parents telling them that I'd be moving to the other side of the world but does that sound a bit familiar they were obviously full of doubt anxiety and really sad about me leaving the nest finally um (coughs) sorry And really, how would we find a place to live? What would we do for jobs? All that. But but the move was definitely something that I desperately needed. Like I wanted to be with Caesar more than anything and him with me. Yes, I knew at the time it was going to be a huge challenge moving countries. Literally, Literally starting a new life in a new place. Finding a job. Caesar having to learn English, living with my first boyfriend and all those challenges that come with just that. But the thought of continuing a long-distance relationship was a lot more daunting and scary than all the challenges that we would face with moving countries. So in a way, the decision was quite easy for us. So I started applying literally as soon as we decided to go to London, to so many different accounting firms as I was keen to continue working in restructuring. And I always knew that I didn't want to do forever, but I needed to gain more experience and confidence, I guess, before I considered any type of career change. And I guess especially after so many years studying at uni and then finally completing my CA, I wanted just to kind of see that out. So I applied to at least... mm, way more than 20 firms I can't remember how many accounting firms um so I managed to get some interviews with a few places but you know recruitment always takes a long time so I'm glad that I started that process at least it was probably four months out from us or from me leaving Perth and the countdown was on and then the fun, the time finally came for me to resign from my first corporate job in Perth. Holy crap. Sorry, I'm going to swear a bit. But the nerves and excitement, we were so overwhelming. 
the fact that I was leaving Perth, leaving my first job, professional job, finally moving to Europe, being with Caesar, being in the same place in the same time zone. Gosh, those butterflies, sure, were next level. When I resigned, I still hadn't actually received any job offer. So I was actually getting a little bit scared, but all that doubt and noise from my family and friends was starting to get to me. But literally only a few days after I resigned, serendipity, I swear, I received a job offer from EY. I ran downstairs to tell my parents, oh my gosh, they were so excited and relieved, but it was starting to all sink in that I was leaving Perth. I was moving Things were happening. I still remember sitting on the kitchen counter with my parents, having a cocktail. I'm pretty sure it was a Cosmopolitan to celebrate my new job and just to kind of mark that massive milestone. Such a big mixed bag of emotions. Both my parents and I were so happy I had a job and that I'd be with Caesar, but I was so sad to leave my parents Although so happy to be leaving them at the same time. But at the same time, I don't know. I was a bit crazy because I'd never actually been to London before moving there. And the fact that I didn't know anyone there, yeah, it's a bit crazy. But I will go into all that detail of moving to London and all the other moves that we've done since then in another episode. Including all the challenges from Caesar from not speaking English to having to get all his qualifications in Portugal, pretty much re-qualified and that was a massive challenge. Plus all the other challenges that we've gone through, but I want to kind of shape that into a bit more positive, kind of like a checklist to guide you through this and not make it too overwhelming or too scary. Now I hope I haven't scared you too much <laughs> to now. So we ended up living in London for four years, although it felt like a lot and it felt like Probably a lot less. Obviously had lots of ups and downs, as does life. London really is a great place to live. But for us, it was never going to be a long-term place that we lived forever. And it got to that point where we were a bit over living there. It was a bit too full on at times. So we started talking about where we could live next. We came up with quite a few places. Hey, like when you're brainstorming, don't put any limits. We came up with places like Singapore to Canada, the Middle East to the US. And of course, Sydney came up as Caesar had never lived in Australia. But with every place that we discussed, we said it wouldn't be forever. So why limit ourselves for just to one place? And that's when we came up with the idea of living in seven countries. We just thought seven was a good number, but perhaps it might end up being more. I hope so. Uh, and after lots of deliberating all the pros and cons of each place, we decided that Sydney made the most sense for our next move. So not long after we got married in Portugal, after a crazy year of planning a somewhat big Portuguese wedding, remotely from London. I'm sure another topic for discussion too. We started getting all the paperwork ready to apply for Caesar's visa for Australia. Crazy amount of work proving our relationship was real 
and bloody expensive too. Who would have thought? But hey, you've got to do what you've got to do. After we got all that documentation and photos and paperwork submitted, then another countdown began. Yes, I'm an accountant, ex-accountant. It's all about the numbers. Even my daughter now counts down. <laughs> uh, so as with all visas and government processes, you just never know when things will be approved or how long things will take. But at the time, they did say the wait time was roughly about a year, kind of eight to, to uh, eight to twelve months. So we were playing it safe and planning for that twelve month waiting game. So we pretty much started planning on having our belated honeymoon once we had left London. So we'd have something to look forward to, and then we could really ship our things over to Sydney because they usually oh. Minimum time is six weeks. Now it is a lot longer with the pandemic. Um, so that would give our, um, give us time for our belated, delayed, whatever you want to call it, honeymoon, big trip. Uh, and then hopefully by the time we'd arrive in Sydney, our stuff would be very close, if not already there. And we were planning leaving London uh, beginning of August, I think it was, 2015. And then the plan was to have a little holiday in Barcelona, where my brother-in-law lives, then go to Portugal, spend some time with our families before starting our big road trip in California. Wow, what an incredible trip that was. But I like to plan, clearly. I want to have a plan B and C lined up, just in case if by the time we had arrived in Australia, the visa hadn't been approved, then we would have time to leave Australia, maybe go to one of the Pacific Islands until the f visa was approved for Caesar to be allowed in and stay because he would have to have the visa approved on his way into Australia. Anyway, it gets all confusing. But I was trying to remain positive uh, and just hoped it would all work out and timing wouldn't be an issue and visa approvals. <coughs> So with any move, I highly recommend if you're moving with a partner to have one of you have a job lined up just to remove some of that financial stress. But it also helps massively to get your new life set up because you need it. You pretty much need a job to find a place to rent, to set up phone accounts or your national insurance tax numbers set up, electricity bills, all of that. Is quite dependent on at least one person having a steady income or a job lined up. So not long after we applied for the Australian visa, I started having discussions with people at my work at EY in London to see if there's any possibility whatsoever of a transfer to the Sydney restructuring team because, to be honest, that would be the easier option. But unfortunately, there wasn't much going at the time. Uh, and I kind of was like, oh gosh, so now what do I do? Do I really want to continue with the restructuring? But it still felt right at the time, although I was starting to, I guess, consider when the right time, if there is, ever is one, to have the, a bit of that career change or a bit of a pivot in my career. But um, a few months out, I think it was, before us leaving London, I heard that a new team was being set up in Australia at EY 
but in the turnaround space, so not in the restructuring space. Um, so I started having a few discussions, got in touch with the new partner um, in Australia, but he was based in Brisbane. Had a few interviews with him uh, as well as a few others at EY because this whole move to Sydney, um, it just felt like an external hire. It wasn't a transfer or a smooth transition whatsoever. Long story short, it did eventually <laughs> um, lead me to getting a job offer uh, with the plan of studying starting in October. So about a month after we had planned on arriving in Sydney, all going to plan with the visa. As I said, we had an incredible, incredible month traveling around California and of course Vegas for Caesar's birthday. Definitely one of the best trips I've ever had. Definitely top two. And we're not ruling California out of being one of our seven places to live at some point. Maybe not for now though. Settling into Sydney was easier for me in a way because I'd grown up in Perth. But it still took some time to really settle in, find my kind of place, find new friends. And it really took Caesar a lot longer to feel settled and to find work. We started um, off renting an apartment not too far from the city uh, in Waterloo, for those of you who know Sydney. Um, we wanted to find a house to rent with a decent backyard because we've been planning and hoping to have a dog, well, planning on having a dog for many years, but never had the, I guess, setup. And in Sydney, we finally, finally found a place, a decent house, old but very spacious, we'll call it that, in Mascot, which was really perfect for us. It actually reminded me a lot of a house that my parents rented back in Perth, one of the first ones that they rented when we moved there. It, it, both houses, both the one in Sydney and the one I lived in in Perth, um, were built by Italian family. They even had the same type of arch, brick arch in the living room. It just felt right. And uh, we finally got our first dog together a beautiful black labrador called tuga so tuga the name it means it's like slang for calling someone portuguese just like when you call someone aussie or kiwi or a pom and it was at the time that portugal the euro was on in 2016 and portugal made it to the finals and we still didn't have a name for tuga because she was about when was that? That was June she was born, so she would have been four or five weeks old by then. And I love Portugal, completely love soccer, football. Let's call it what it is, football. But I was a bit doubtful that Portugal was going to win after all the emotional roller coasters of the last couple of decades that I've gone through uh, with them being so close. And I was like, if Portugal win the Euro, we're, we have to call our dog Tuga. And clearly we did and beyond proud and forever going <laughs> to pull that card out. So when Tuga was only a tiny little, well, not little, but six months old, nearly fully grown, I found out I was pregnant. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was a crazy, stressful, high-risk pregnancy and delivery. But so grateful and happy that both Eva, my daughter, and I um, were healthy and bounce back really quickly or bounce back somewhat 
quickly, emotionally, mainly. Um, but crazy roller coaster parenthood is, my goodness. Um, and the fact that we didn't have any help close by besides my mum coming for a few weeks when Eva was born and then going back to Portugal because my parents, I probably skipped over that, but my parents uh, moved back to Portugal about a year or two before Eva was born. So absolutely no family help whatsoever when I had Eva. And becoming a mum sure does change you in more ways than one. And I always knew, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that I didn't want to do restructuring or turnaround now forever. And then when I went back to work after six months on maternity leave, gosh, it hit me. It really hit me hard that it was definitely time to move on and have a career change. The hard part, I had no idea what I could do next and what it could actually look like. And that was freaking me out. Like I couldn't think of anything worse than working in that industry for the rest of my life. And I just felt like I was wasting my life away doing something I now hated. I still remember so clearly having a massive breakdown. <laughs> In a hotel cafe of all places in Circular Quay, Sydney, with my boss, who is now a very, very close family friend, um, about my situation and the fact that I wanted something new, something different. It was definitely one of those big watershed moments that started a massive process and snowball of self-discovery and self-work. And I think it will actually be a lifelong thing and it should be a lifelong thing self-discovery and development and all of that but that really got the wheels in motion of uh, asking myself what do I want to do with my life given that we only you know cliche we only have one life yes but I don't want to waste it doing something I'm not passionate about and living for the weekend I feel like I'm still very much on that discovery process although truly feel like this podcast is giving me a lot more purpose in life and all that fulfillment that I've been craving and craving for so long. I mean I did enjoy working at EY, uh, I had an incredible team and but back in 2018 the partners left to start their own turnaround practice and unfortunately they weren't able to take me on at that point. I mean, they couldn't pay me because I needed to build up their client list and, you know, all that set up as entrepreneurs know. So I started applying to different positions, different companies, and I felt like that was my time, my chance, that push that I needed probably to have that career change because staying in the restructuring team, oh, no, definitely not for me. So I was finally ready. <laughs> as ready as you can be to have to leave the restructuring and turnaround world but that like looking back that definitely gave me a real good I guess toolkit of transferable skills of I guess you know when you're in restructuring companies go under you're trading a company doing you know everything from HR to cash flows to strategic decisions and planning um so I ended up getting a job after quite a few interviews, oh, of course, gosh, all that interview process, it's always so daunting. But I got a job as an integrations, I guess, project manager in a global logistics software company. Wow, what a different world that was. 
I definitely enjoyed the work and met really some incredible people who are very close friends now and met some amazing people from around the world given that I was looking after 16 global officers and helping them integrate to the group. I was so fortunate uh, to have the opportunity to travel to Argentina and Uruguay to co-facilitate some workshops with the local teams. What an incredible experience that was, both professionally and on a personal level too. I mean, I'd never been to South America. Definitely going back with my family one day, hopefully not too long from now. And just before COVID bloody appeared, I'd been speaking with my manager for months and months about getting a transfer to the US because we were ready to leave. I really wanted to move to California after we fell completely in love with it during our honeymoon. But my boss had said Chicago would probably be a better option given that our biggest office was there um, in the US. But he was seriously dragging his feet with regards to getting the relocation process started. And when I got back from South America, that was supposedly when things would be a bit fast-tracked in terms of my move. But that's when COVID really started taking over globally and then countries started closing down borders and all of that stuff. So clearly my boss wasn't going to do anything anymore about my relocation. He even completely avoided talking about it with me. But looking back now, I highly doubt that he would ever have given me the transfer anyways, with or without COVID. Our plan was to live in Sydney for a maximum of four years. But given that our US plans had fallen through, we desperately wanted another place to move to. London and Sydney were two crazy cities, but they sure took it out of us too. We really wanted, I guess, somewhere a bit more relaxed, especially with everything going on with COVID. And we now had a three-year-old daughter and a dog. And then one day we decided maybe New Zealand could be a great place to live, especially given they had very low COVID numbers and we didn't need a visa given my Australian passport and Caesar being now a permanent resident of Australia. There was talk of a travel bubble between New Zealand and Australia opening up at some point in the end, hopefully, of 2020. So we decided to start watching the news like a hawk, hoping that Sydney case numbers would remain low, there would be no more crazy outbreaks and and finally the bubble would open. So I asked my boss if I could work remotely from New Zealand, um, given that we already had a couple of colleagues working remotely from here before COVID even hit. But he said no, of course, and I won't even go into details about the fact that other people from my team and company asked for a transfer and they got it. But clearly he did not like me and he went out of his way not to give me a transfer or even continue for a few months while I found someone to replace me. But look, I think there's a silver lining in every dark cloud and I think it worked out for the best this way. Although I was very disappointed and pissed off, to be honest. But he gave me that fresh start, that proper fresh start in New Zealand. I had time to really reassess what type of role and company I wanted to work for next. 
I definitely did not want another corporate role. I was definitely moving on from that. And I wanted something more meaningful, something that could, that I could apply all my skills, somewhat skills that I had gaining my corporate life and along the way. But I really wanted to have an impact in some way on people's lives. So I ended up getting a job for a polytechnic working on a very meaningful, impactful project around revisioning the pastoral care and mental health that's provided to students. But like with any workplace and job, it's got its challenges, but I'm really, really enjoying it. So when it comes to our crazy plan of moving countries, I guess I've kept it a secret for so long. I guess it's because of all that judgment and comments that other people would make and it's just been easier to keep it quiet. I mean, I can't go into a new job when I move to a new country saying, oh, I'm only going to plan, I'm only planning on staying here for a couple of years or three to five years and then we'll be moving countries. Like I highly doubt the company, the manager will give me a position. But as time has gone by, I've really loved talking to friends about our journey and our experience in living in all these different countries and all the incredible people that we've met along the way. Like I'm just so passionate about really fully immersing ourselves in different cultures, having new experience and meeting different people from all walks of life because we wouldn't have really crossed paths if I'd just stayed in Perth or stayed in Portugal. For me, I just don't want to live in the same city, in the same house, with the same routine, with the same friends, my whole life. There is a big, beautiful world out there and we need to explore it as much as as of it as we can. And the more I've talked about moving countries, the more I wish my friends would make the leap and try living abroad. Not long after we moved to New Zealand, I was actually talking with a friend back in um, Sydney. He was asking about, you know, how, how our move was going and the fact that we moved with our daughter and she was absolutely loving it. She really settled in like a natural. Um, and one of my other friends, he'd already moved countries before. He's from the UK. Um, but he was considering moving again, but he wasn't sure how that would play out because he's got two kids And, you know, moving countries, finding new friends, new school, all of that is quite overwhelming. Um, But long story short, literally a couple of months after we had that chat, he moved to Dubai with his kids because his ex has a job that's mainly based in the Middle East and it just made more sense to be based over there. And he actually later told me that our little chat was the final push that he needed to make that big decision and to move with his boys and his loving life over there. Obviously some challenges, but definitely so happy he's made that that big move. And seriously, this news for me was one of the best feelings ever. The fact that our crazy journey and crazy goal of moving countries has encouraged one of our friends to make the move too has made me want to reach out and actually encourage more friends to chase their crazy goals and dreams, whether that be living in another country, starting a business, running a marathon, all stuff that I'll discuss in another episode for sure. But you don't need to move countries. 
But you do need to have some crazy bucket list items and dreams to look forward to and work towards to make your life more exciting and worthwhile. Don't just waste it away and, you know, having groundhog days all the time. You should be proud of chasing your dreams. As the saying goes, you only live once, but you only die once. Let that sink in. So make sure you have no regrets at the end. And be proud of the stuff that you have done in your life. Don't look back on your life and have regrets of not doing something you've always wanted to do. And don't look back and think, oh, what if? Oh, I should have done this. I really hope that hearing my journey has shown you that you don't need to have everything in life worked out. And you don't need to have anything special. You just need to have that passion and desire to chase your dreams. Life is never going to be a straight, easy line. If you're like me and want something out of the norm, you just need to push that little bit harder to achieve it. But it's so worthwhile. If you want something bad enough, you will find a way. Otherwise, you'll just find excuses. It could have been easy just to give up early in our relationship or each time we've decided to move countries as there have been some really tough challenges and phases. But I wouldn't trade this journey that I'm on for the world. I hope there were some golden nuggets for you in this episode of Bucket List Traveller. Use these to kickstart and fuel your passions and dreams. So what is one practical thing you can do in the next two days to get you that one step closer to achieving something on your bucket list? If you're enjoying listening to my Bucket List Traveller podcast, I'd be so incredibly grateful if you can leave me a review and let your friends know about it too. So until next time, stop dreaming about your bucket lists and go out there and live them.